to Totalus Rankium. This week, Constantine Seven. Hello and welcome to Roman Emperors Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie, and I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven, and this. It's the seventh Constantine. Over halfway of Constantine's. Yeah, uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, easily. Our Constantine arc. <laughs> this is our this is our eighth Constantine. What? No, don't do that again. <laughs> I still can't get over the three B. <laughs> you remembered this time though, so that's yes, pretty that's good. good. You did. <laughs> I'm learning. But as as discussed recently, we're going to start using some nicknames a bit more. I didn't mention it, it was actually Pontifex that uh, inspired me with this, because there's so many Pope Johns, they're um, coming up with pirate nicknames for their Pope Johns. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, which I quite liked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, but yeah, it made me realise that's a good idea. Maybe we should start using the nicknames more. Uh, and Constantine Seven has a nickname. Yes, he does. The Purple Born. Yes, because he's born into the purple... Made to be emperor. Uh, I've also seen him referred to as Constantine the Scholar as well. Ah, reader. Yeah. A nerd. Reader. Remember, he's the son of uh, Leo the Wise. <gasps> yeah. He was also a nerd. Yes, yes, he was. Massive geek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's also his nickname. Um, <laughs> Leo, massive geek. <laughs> anyway, so we will label this one Constantine the Purpleborn. Nice. Yeah, I think so. And so we're going to continue now with our journey through one of the most infamous dynasties in all of Roman history. By infamous, you mean most embarrassing. I just mean famous. Famous. Yeah. The Macedonian dynasty, obviously, is the one I'm talking about. We started with Basil, remember? Basil, yeah. Yeah. And then his not really son, Leo the Wise. Yeah. And then his drunk brother, Alexander. Way. Then we decided to include Leo the Wise's wife, Zoe, and then we looked at the man who took power off her, Romanos, right. and now we've just looked at his son, Stephen. So we've kind of gone on a bit of a detour, yeah, okay. but what we're now getting to is chronologically the fourth in the dynasty. Okay. Yeah, uh, and that is obviously Constantine Seven, the Purple Born, who we've talked about quite a bit. Yes. So what are you third what, episode in? Yeah, yeah. What are, what are you thinking? Well, I know what to think. We've technically done him already. We have not, as you will see. Well, there's gonna be bits in his early life that we don't know, but yeah, we know his ending. No, we don't. But he got killed. He got cut down. Oh no, that was his brother. No, I'm way off. It was other Constantine who oh, died? Oh, I yeah. really should listen, shouldn't I? <laughs> Yes, it's the problem with so many bloody Constantines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that was other Constantine. Oh, of course. Brother no, I don't know anything Stephen. about him, though. No, 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 you don't. No. You don't know how it ends. But you did say it's a very short episode. It's going to be shorter than most, but mainly because we've covered so much of his life, we yeah. get to gloss over quite a bit. Okay, fair but enough. But let's go into it. Right. Okay. Brief summary of his early life, uh, just so we can keep it straight in our heads. Uh, Constantine was born in 905. In the reign of Leo the Wise. His father, obviously, was Leo the Wise, and his mother was Zoe Colise. Yeah. And Zoe Colise, if you remember, was Leo's fourth wife. Yes. 
yes, which caused a lot of people. A lot of people had a hard time accepting that Constantine Seven was a thing. Yeah, yeah I could imagine yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. He's illegitimate. Yeah, exactly. Well, Leo had made sure that Zoe had given birth in the purple royal birthing room. <laughs> uh, as legitimate as possible. Yeah, just to make sure. Wearing um, a purple dress. Yeah, exactly. Purple hat. I mean, they, they ignored the fact that it wasn't that long ago another Constantine had his eyes ripped out in that very room. Ooh. Yeah, uh, but that's fine. They cleaned up the eyes. <laughs> it's fine. One was still behind the cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> watching. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Every now and again, blinks. The idea of being born in the purple room, obviously, is to make him seem more legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Even though he really wasn't. Yeah. Uh, soon after his birth, his father agreed with the church that he would get rid of Zoe Colise. And in return, the patriarch, Nicholas, would baptise little Constantine. Yeah. Yeah. The ceremony was performed with his father and his drunk uncle Alexander in attendance. Way! Alexander just giving the child daggers all the way through, probably. But then, Leo marries Zoe Colise anyway, in a massive two <gasps> fingers up to the church. What a twist! Oh, yes. And then declared Constantine Seven co-emperor at the age of two. Stuck his tongue out at the patriarch and went, Ha! What you gonna do about it? Swivel. Yeah. You remember then he does all the letters and stuff to get the patriarch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all that's so cool. Off, which is seems so long ago that we talked about that. The last time I listened to us when I was sorting out some things in the bathroom. Yeah, was, because obviously in. we've had the um we've had the Scipio break in between that. Yeah, yeah. And yet we're still only doing his son. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he's co-emperor in 908 at the age of two. Which is nice. Uh, then Leo dies. And right before he died, he asked the Senate to look after his wife and child. Please. Yeah, don't, don't, don't kill them, guys. Just, just, are you, are you going to be tempted? Don't, don't deny it. I can see it in your face. Look, you're holding a dagger. Think of the children, literally, that child. So, Alexander takes over. But then his balls exploded on a horse. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> Might be an exaggeration, a bit of hyperbole there, but that definitely happened. Yeah. <laughs> you can still visit the tree where some of the splatter. <laughs> Why is there a tree there? It was in the stadium, remember? Also, it was in the woods. No, no, I this was in the woods. playing polo. Oh! Yeah, yeah. So why was there a tree there? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Weird. Goalpost. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Anyway, this chain of unfortunate events left seven-year-old Constantine the sole emperor for a bit. And a lot of people were waiting in the wings to take the throne off him. Of course. Literally. All stood around. Yeah. Steepling their fingers. It's like harmonising with their maniacal laughter. It was quite nice. Oh, oh, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's dramatic. <laughs> anyway, the faction war, as I've called it, I've never seen it called that, but I'm calling it the faction war. Uh, it takes place, remember, with Zoe, Nicholas, Leo Focus, and Romanos all vying for power. Yeah. For a while, Zoe was on top. That's why she got an episode. Uh, then Leo kind of gets on top because Leo Focus and his brother in law, the Lord Chamberlain, yeah. uh, kind of run things for a bit. Didn't get an episode, though. No, because it all fell apart because mm. Nicholas sweeps in last moment when <sighs> Zoe loses support of her faction 
And as we've seen, Romanos then was able to sweep in as well. <laughs> yeah, take out Nicholas and also take out Leophocus yeah. by blinding him and putting him on a donkey. That donkey's seen a lot. <laughs> I've seen things, man. I've seen things. What can be said from the people riding me, usually? <laughs> yeah. All dark. Yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, how life is for the people riding the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> so anyway, all, all this is going on, all, all the faction wars, the, the cooing, the counter-cooing, all, all the intrigue. It's very unlikely Constantine has anything to do with any of this. I mean, he's still a child yeah. at this point. If you remember, we covered the story of his tutor asking Romanos for help. Oh, yeah, yeah. And little Constantine writing his own purple-inked letter to Romanos saying, help me, Leo's trying to take over. But it's not really clear how involved he was. He was probably just told to do that. Yeah. Uh, we know that the first time that Zoe was nunned, Constantine's younger than ten at this point, and was very upset about his mother being sent away. Oh. Yeah. Uh, partly it was due to his tears and distress that Zoe was recalled by Nick. Really? Yeah. Oh. So just to cheer the bloody kid off. Stop wailing! Yeah. Fine, we'll get her back. I'm sure she won't cause any problems when, oh no, she's, she, that's, yeah. <laughs> However, a few years later, when Romanos has finally, like, taken power completely and accused Zoe of attempting to poison him, if you remember, yeah. uh, she is sent away. Constantine is now 14 at this time. And he was hates his mum. <laughs> well, I don't know. He was either just as upset, uh, but Romanos didn't care, or he'd grown up a bit and was a bit more reserved. Or I maybe... think he's going through an emo phase. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a fourteen-year-old boy. Yeah. He probably just hates his mum. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Zoe's gone, or Sister Anna, as she became known. Yeah. 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 Now, it's not long after Romanos took power, of course, that Constantine suddenly found himself getting married to Helena. Oh. Romanos' daughter. That must be fantastic for him. <laughs> yes! <laughs> well, interestingly, uh, a couple of books, uh, not like original sources, but more recent books about this time period, both of them mentioned how awful this must have been for for the 14-year-old Constantine to suddenly have a wife. I think because... we modernise. Uh, he well, he, it's like he didn't know her. He wouldn't have uh, chosen her. Um, but it's really hard to say because he, he probably would have expected that anyway since birth. He, yeah, from a modern view, yeah. What we but. can say is that the two actually seem to uh, work together well when they're older, as we will see. So if they weren't happy with each other to begin with, they they do end up at least in a workable partnership, if not actually falling in love with each other. Shades of the American podcast. Thinking about when his wife, is it Hayes? No. His wife was like his business manager. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're talking about... Um, Arthur. Arthur, yes. But they weren't forced together. No, no. No, no. Just, but I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. working together. But we're, we're getting... Tenuous to... link, tenuous yeah. link. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, like, no, I liked it. I'm just trying to plug the other podcast, Rob. It's, it's good. No, it's subtle. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Listen. Yeah. Download it. Download it. <laughs> So anyway, he get he gets married. We don't know how he felt about it. I mean, it's not hard to believe that he wouldn't be too happy in general in this situation, though, because he yeah. has gone through a lot recently. He was yes. forced by Nicholas to read a letter to his own mother saying you're not needed anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then when Romanos comes along, he forces him to, to get married. 
it's it's not going to be great. He's not going to be having a good time. No, probably. And yeah, but that's the thing. It's like how much were they aware that this was going to happen in the past? You know, growing up, so you know this will be expected of you. This is your future. This is you have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. You know, there's the expectation there. It's just it was going to happen. Constantine's old enough though to realise that he's being cooed gently. Ah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, fair enough. I mean, well, must, that'd be unfortunate. Well, there'd be a large part of him wondering when am I going to be killed. Well, that'd be awkward. Yeah, it's like Romanos could kill me at any point and declare himself emperor, and there's nothing I can do about it. But he locks that door good and proper every night, <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> click, uh, click, click. Uh, I doubt he would have seen getting married to Romanos's daughter as a a positive thing in that regard, mm, because yeah, yeah. that's just Romanos getting himself closer to the royal family to make him seem more legitimate. And at 14, you're definitely going to be understanding that. So, uh, yeah. Mm. Um, okay. So, yeah, thing, things, as I say, they're tense. It doesn't help when Constantine, shortly after this, is forced to sign a document that announced that anyone attempting to marry four times would be excommunicated. <laughs> and that all children who are born to someone in a fourth marriage would immediately become illegitimate. He had to sign that? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, I've run out of ink. Sorry. Well, the law wasn't retrospective. So... Okay. He's safe. From now on. But he is essentially writing into law that his own existence shouldn't be happening. Ooh, that's... Yeah. Yeah, It it can't be nice. He he would have had no reason to think that this new family has anything but contempt for him. Yeah. He would have been very well aware that he was only alive because Romanos figured that it would be too much hassle to kill him. Romanos has allowed it. Anyway, things only get worse for the boy emperor when he was forced to perform a ceremony crowning his father-in-law as Caesar, and then a few months after that, as co-emperor. He performed these duties, but I quote here, only with a most unwilling heart. It's not long before Romanus's son Christopher, and then Stephen and other Constantine are also crowned co-emperor. Ah. Yeah, and Constantine sees his position slip further and further down the pecking order. This is bullshit. Yeah. Slowly but surely, um, also Romanos just strips Constantine of all his advisors from his childhood. His tutors are taken off him. Uh... Everyone that he knew who used to be loyal to him and his mother disappear, and they are replaced with Romanus's men. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He is put in essentially house arrest. I mean, it's not formal, but stay in that bit of the palace. Yeah. <laughs> Just stay there and exist. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Sit. Yeah, while, while I do the ruling, you can just be there. Now, some emperors, as we have seen, would have loved that. Well, I just get to sit here, be rich, and not worry about life. Fantastic. Uh, But Constantine wasn't really like that. He had very little to do, so he spent most of his time reading, and soon gained a reputation for being as well-read as his father. The scholar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Day after day, month after month, year after year, he spent his time in comfort in the palace, but unfulfilled. He attended ceremonies and the races. He did official stuff, but... He never had a key role. Apart from that, he was just left alone. Is he the kind of person that would have to go with like big scissors and open shops and things? Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, no, nothing big either. I mean, it would just be the local post offices being oh, opened no. that he's, he's opening. A new shoe shop. Yeah, they'd put a plaque on the wall and everything, but it's not like a cathedral. Plaques tarnish, Rob. Yeah, Plaques they do. tarnish. Various troubles hit Romanos' family. Christopher died. 
again. He's died a lot. <laughs> and so did the Augusta Theodora, as mentioned last episode. Uh, but this would have had very little effect on Constantine. Who? Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make any difference to him. He's just reading. Due to his love of learning, he soon developed an encyclopedic knowledge of the royal customs and legal practices. He became an expert on how the palace should run. That's interesting. <laughs> this door needs to be locked. <laughs> <laughs> it is written. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, apparently, he he just knew this stuff inside out about who should be standing where at certain ceremonies. And... Do you think he obnoxiously insisted on everything like that? Probably. Yeah. Hands behind your back. <laughs> uh, he started writing histories. Yeah. He planned to write a complete Roman history from start to finish. Uh, I don't know if that means from Augustus or from Constantine, because yeah. at this point, pre-Constantine Roman times were considered very pagan. <laughs> yeah. go there, but who knows? Uh, maybe he was interested in it. Um, he never managed to write that, though, so we don't know. We just know that he planned to. Because he died too soon. Oh, spoiler. Uh, well, no, not really, uh, because he did write a lot of books. He wrote a history of Basil One. Really? Basil One led a very interesting life, after all. And yeah. uh, he wrote all about him. Why didn't he write about Basil too? Ah, lazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is his grandson, though. Weird. Yeah. We're getting there. We, we'll be yeah, there soon. Yeah. Anyway, when he wasn't reading or writing, he was painting. And according to a couple of sources, he was very good at it. But obviously nothing survived, so we can't tell. But well, apparently he was a very good painter as well. I think Impressionist. Yeah. And modern cubism. I, I think cubism. I say cubism. He just painted a cube over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at some point, he managed to tear himself away from all the books and the paint, enough that in 938, he and Helena had a son called Romanos II, after his granddad. Might want to put a box around him. Romanos isn't his granddad, is it? It's Helena's dad. Ah. Yeah. Do you think they're doing it to suck up, or is that just the custom has called Romanos? Uh, I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? And then he's very bitter every time he said his child's names. Come and hear Romanos, you little yeah. throne-stealing son of a... Hello, Mom, how are you? <laughs> it is interesting. I'd love to know whether that was a... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, it's... Maybe Romanos said, after me. Yeah. Name it after me. Maybe. But, I mean, this has been a good few years now, so maybe... Maybe yeah. things have mellowed down a bit. Yeah. Remember, in the end, Romanos does decide to give the empire to Constantine VII. That's a good point. So, yeah, who knows? We don't know if Constantine had any say when Romanos started to speculate who little Romanos was going to marry. But Constantine must have been very aware that perhaps the emperor was softening to him. There is some suggestion that Helena was by this point fully in support of her husband and worked at making sure her father did not think too kindly of her brothers. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really hard to get a real sense of it, but you get the feeling Helena's there working in the background, yeah. whispering to her father, actually, my husband's pretty good, and now Christopher's dead. Stephen and other Constantine are useless. Come on, Dad, you know they're useless. You know so. how good Constantine can hold those scissors. Exactly. That, that, that ribbon, three, four attempts and it's cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, I mean, we just don't know. Perhaps um, their son being married to the daughter of the King of Arles was actually Constantine and Helena working behind the scenes to outmaneuver Stephen and other Constantine. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it was all Romanos's idea. We're not really sure. You get the feeling the fashions are building, though. Yeah. Then we reach 944 and it all kicks off. Right. If we be... If we believe Skyletsis, Constantine 
and Helena start their plan. They realise that Romanos was not going to last much longer, so they best figure out a way to survive, because if Stephen becomes the next emperor, uh, none of them are going to last very long. Yeah. Especially since Stephen had his own son. Remember, I mentioned his son uh, briefly in his episode. His son was also called Romanos, and oh. Stephen obviously felt that that Romanos should be the, the next one in line, so mm. yeah, all a bit tense. Uh, anyway, Constantine and Helena decide, let's, let's start the plan, and to begin with, Constantine called upon an old friend of his. Do you want to guess what his friend's name was? Romanos. No. Constantine. Patinos. Pat- oh, oh, yes! <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh, the circle is complete. Oh, it is. I'll quote, with him, he shared his plan, and through him... He deceived Stephen into thinking he was his friend, as in Patinos did. Yeah. Yes. Misleading him with insidious phrases, which confused his thinking by duplicity and artifice. Patinos left no stone unturned to make Stephen like him, and when he had succeeded, he hung around him, filling his ears with speeches and advice, which massaged his vanity, and shortly almost drove him out of his mind. O Emperor, he would say... And then the rest of the quote I did last episode. Nice. Yes. So, yeah, you got it. You spotted it straight away. It was all a big setup. Uh, Patinos is actually Constantine's friend. Soon enough, Stephen was convinced that he should revolt. Skylitsky states that Constantine and Helena realised that the other Constantine was not going to be swayed. Yeah. So they deliberately targeted Stephen, thinking Stephen's a bit of an idiot. He'll fall for this. And rightly so. Yeah. <laughs> Patinos stays with Stephen, helping him to organise the coup. Meanwhile, the Emperor organises the marriage between little Romanos and the daughter of the King of Arles, and Stephen convinces other Constantine to join his coup, as we saw last episode. Romanos is then bundled off in the night, and the next day, Constantine Seven is forced to prove that he is alive by sticking his head out the window. Hello! And then the uneasy couple of weeks starts up. Yeah. And again, I quote... Immediately after the overthrow of Romanos, Stephen energetically took matters of state into hand, with his brother-in-law and brother as colleagues. But as they were not always of like mind and sometimes actively disagreed, from this beginning, the shoots of discord sprang forth. They regarded each other with suspicion. Stephen made extraordinary efforts to rid himself of his brother and brother-in-law to be left in sole charge of the administration. But, as the poet says, there are things hotter than fire. It's an idiom back from Romeo times, I'm guessing. Greek fire. Uh, yes. <laughs> Stephen failed to notice that he was the prey rather than the huntsman. Oh, nice. Yeah. That'd be a great um, like entrance to a, or the beginning of a, of a show, like yeah. an HBO series. Yeah, that'd be good. He realised he was not the huntsman, but the prey. Yeah. We better just swap that around, I think. Yeah, they should. Well, what an idiot who wrote that. You should write to Skylitzies. I will. Let him know. I will. Stephen and the other Constantines set up their plan to kill Constantine Seven, but little did they know that they had one of Constantine Seven's spies as their top man. Patinos told Constantine Seven everything. Constantine Seven was able to lock the doors. Because it says in the rules! <laughs> exactly. 
Not because I'm trying to save myself, it literally says, look, right here, paragraph 4, subsection 12. As we saw, Constantine went into dinner that night, he entered the room, the signal rang out as the guard hit his shield, and then there was a lot of rattling of a locked door, and as Constantine Seven's men ran in and seized the two robbers. After 25 years of being controlled by this family, Constantine Seven was now sole emperor at the age of 39. Oh... The public had never been fans of Stephen or the other Constantine. Uh, they were seen as the idiot two little brothers, essentially. Um, <laughs> Not far and there was no outpouring of outrage at this, quite the opposite. Most seemed to think that the just course had been taken. After all, Constantine Seven was the rightful emperor. Romanos was competent, so they put up with him, but it should definitely be Constantine. Yeah. So everyone's quite happy with this coup. Shortly afterwards, Constantine crowned his son Romanos II in the Hagia Sophia. The youngest of Romanos' one sons, Theophylact, performed the ceremony as patriarch. Because hmm. remember, Theophylact's still around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Constantine then announced that a man named Bardos was in charge of the armies. Who? Bardos. This is none other than Bardos Phocus, the brother of Leo Phocus. Oh. Yeah. As you can imagine, the fortunes of the Focus family had not been brilliant under Romanos. No. No, uh, the two hadn't got on. But, due to the way Romanos had treated Constantine, the Focus family had always been supportive of the young emperor, biding their time waiting. So now Constantine was an adult and a sole emperor, he sought to make amends with this prominent family, whom he had sympathy for. Not only did Bardos Focus get supreme command, but his sons Nikephoros and Leo got prominent positions in the military. Make a note of Nikephoros Focus. In fact, just put a box around him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's coming up as well. Yeah, as you can see, the Focus family, they're on the rise once more. They, they are, yes. Oh, yes. I think they reach a pinnacle. <laughs> well, well, sort of. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, as is Lord Chamberlain... Constantine decided to choose a man named Basil. Basil was, interestingly, the illegitimate son of Romanos. Uh, according to some of the sources, Basil was only given this job after Constantine castrated him. Uh, but mm. this is debated and doesn't seem likely, because according to another source, Basil was castrated as a child because he was an illegitimate son of Romanos. To make sure that this young boy didn't grow up to be any trouble, he was castrated as a child. That sounds far more likely than Constantine castrating the guy when he's an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Or easier. Yeah. Fewer tears. Especially since he wants Basil to be his Lord Chamberlain. Yeah. Yeah. Got a great job for you. One little caveat. <laughs> well, two. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't know why he chooses Basil. Uh, maybe it's just because he was very good. Uh, maybe the two had been friends for a while because Basil was an outsider to the royal family in the same way that Constantine was. Mm. Yeah, uh, who knows? But there you go. What we do know is that this caused tensions when the previous Lord Chamberlain, who was thrown out, attempted to bring back Romanos from his exile. Remember, Romanos is still alive. He's just on the island. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. However, this plot failed, but Constantine realised that he's on shaky ground. When he uncovered a similar plot to bring Stephen back from Lesbos, 
Uh, he rounded up all those responsible and had their noses cut off and sent them to, into exile themselves. Nice. We've not seen much nose cutting off recently. No. I thought we were going to say had their noses cut off and sent to uh, sent to Stephen. Oh, the maybe they did. <laughs> uh, and then 949 comes along. A few things happen in this year. To begin with, Constantine Seven's daughter-in-law. Remember, this is the daughter of King Hugh of Arles. Right. She dies. Oh. Yeah. Uh, this actually works out fairly well, however, because King Hugh of Arles had died a couple of years previously, so the reason for that marriage and the alliance that came with it kind of fell apart. Yay! So, there you go. Problem solved. So, little Romanos uh, is unmarried. Yeah. What should we do about that, they think? Get him married. Get him married. Either to a daughter to a prominent family, or an innkeeper. We don't know which. Depends which source you believe, but we're going to get into that in Romanos 2's okay. episode. Yeah. Yes. I'm trying to think what would be better. Because one gives you ale. <laughs> one gives you prestige. You don't need yes. prestige. You're already the emperor. Yeah. So, innkeeper. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Sorted. Yeah. But I would decide that next episode. Um, however, other things were afoot during this year because Constantine decided it was finally time to take back Crete. Ooh. Yet again. <laughs> <laughs> One day. <laughs> One day they get that island back. Um, Constantine had set up a plan and everything. I mean, this was going to work. He had s sent out some feelers to some other empires to see if they want to help. Giant insects. <laughs> the feelers, like antennas. Yeah, yeah. They're just beetles with a message on their wings. Yes. Yeah. Um... No, no, uh, just just normal messengers, apparently. Oh. Yeah, not quite as exciting. But let's say the Beatles. They <laughs> were sent to Cordoba okay. in Spain. So, I mean, remember, Cordoba is uh, one of the most prominent empires in Europe at this point. Mm. Uh, Muslim held Spain yeah. going through its golden age. Ah, yeah, okay. it's, uh, yeah, they're doing well. Uh, mm. So, sent over there. Do you want to help? If you remember, Crete had been taken over by... The uh, the pirates. Who oh, yes. Who would come from Cordova. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yar. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, well, it was you guys originally. So do you want to help us out taking it back? And we'll worry about who owns what later. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. But not only that, also sent a message to an East Frankian king. Uh, this was a, a young king called Otto. 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 This is the Otto who would become Otto the Great who is the first undisputed Holy Roman Emperor. Okay. Because everyone before this, Charlemagne and his dynasty, were Western Roman Emperors, in a sense that they were declared Roman Emperors. But yeah. it's debated whether they should be given the title Holy Roman Emperors. Ah. Otto definitely is. He is definitely Holy Roman. Ordained by God! Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we do Holy Roman Emperors for season three... Yeah. Uh, who knows if we will, yeah. yeah. But if we do, we will be starting with Charlemagne. Yeah. Uh, but some people think it starts with Otto. But he's uh, what's known as a big deal. Okay. Yeah. Just know he's around now. But he's got the great after his name. That's a good That's a good sign. It is a good sign. It is. You didn't hear Quintilus the Great, did you? Uh, only, or Stephen the Great. Only if you hung outside Quintilus's bathroom in the morning. He used to say it to himself in the mirror to try and boil his spirits <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you're Quintilus the Great Aurelian Sky. Oh, sh. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, none of this planned out. The only reason why I'm telling you this, to be honest, is so I could drop Otto's name in. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
But anyway, uh, Constantine goes at it alone. He sent one of his chamberlains, not the Lord Chamberlain, but another chamberlain, uh, to go and lead the invasion with all the experience of laying in chambers he had. <laughs> uh, I quote, He got to the island but did nothing there worthy of a general. He failed to both make secure encampment and also to post a guard and watch as a protection against attacks by the barbarians. Hence, he fell into severe danger. Oh, dear. Yeah, the Roman forces were wiped out almost to a man. Oh, dear. This utterly fails. Getting Crete back, back, back on the back burner. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll yeah. do that in a few years. Yeah. yeah, I've lost count of how many times I've tried to get Crete <laughs> back now. Uh, but it's been a lot. Anyway, meanwhile, Bardas Focus, remember, he's now in yep. charge of the armies. Uh, he has been sent off to keep pressure upon the Caliphate. Remember, under Romanos, the Empire was raiding deep into Abbasid land. John Caucus had done really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, however, it turns out that Bardos was um, a bit rubbish. Oh. Again, I'll quote, Whenever he served under another, he was a fine commander. But once authority over the land forces depended upon his own judgment, he brought little or no benefit to the Roman realm. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not what you want on your CV. Nah, it's, not, it's not a good sign. <laughs> it's not a good reference. No. <laughs> no. Uh, when he first encountered Scythe, remember Scythe, Sword of the Empire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I quote again, Everybody deserted him, and he would have been taken prisoner himself if his servants hadn't rallied around him and delivered him from captivity. So it's not going well. No. Bardos is almost captured. He escapes with a serious wound to his head. He's put out of action for quite a while. Ooh. And in fact, it goes so badly that one of his sons, not Nicephorus or Leo, but another son and yet another Constantine, uh, he was captured by Scythe. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Splendid. So with Bardos out of action and Constantine focus captured... Uh, the other two Focus sons take over, Nicephorus and Leo. Leo was able to defeat a cousin of Scythe in 956. That's good. They even managed to capture this cousin of Scythe, and they take him to Constantinople. Hmm. Constantine parades him in a triumph, and then places his boot upon the man's neck as a show of victory. Yeah. And then, apparently, treated the man really well. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, which must have been slightly... <laughs> if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to place my boot. It'd be clean on your neck. Okay. Or, or just, just a sort of cut. It's like this man's paraded around the city on a donkey. Everyone's yeah. throwing things at him. They do a couple of circuits of the Hippodrome, jeering. Yeah. Yeah. Constantine slams his foot down on his neck, screams to the victor. Yeah. And then, I'm terribly sorry, a uh, spot of wine... Oh, no, you don't, do you? Um, <laughs> Cheese? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, okay. They won something, Yay. which they kind of needed. Yeah. It wasn't going bit, well. A bit of a boost. Meanwhile, however, uh, the yet another Constantine son of Bardos Focus uh, fell ill in captivity and died. Although apparently he was treated really well, he just happened to die in captivity. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or, if we believe another source, he was tortured to death. But that was an unreliable source, and most modern historians think that the yet another Constantine was uh, treated well enough. Okay. It was an unfortunate death. Yeah. <clears throat> however... Accidental. <laughs> yeah. Bardos Focus does not take this well, however. He's recovering from his head injury, and he decides to take revenge. 
because his son has just been killed, so he decides to round up the rest of the prominent caliphate prisoners and has them all killed. Not the best political move? It's not the best, no. Uh, no. Saif, sword <clears throat> of the empire, decides to attack once more. That's fair. Yeah. You know. However, this time, the other focus son, Nikephros, was ready for Saif. And Nikephros wins a fantastic victory. They gain the city of Adatta. Uh, and more importantly, gaining the city of Adatta means that you have now got control over one of the passes through the Tarsus Mountains. Yeah. This is the mountain range that separates Anatolia and Syria. This means that the Romans, for the first time in I can't remember how long, now have full access into Syria. Ooh. Yeah. That's big. Yes, yeah. That kind of levels out all the disappointment so far. We have not seen the Roman Empire this big for a while. Yeah, that's quite impressive, actually. I mean, you're not getting too much land there, but it is an important place to hold. Yeah. Because you now control the border. Ooh. So that's good. Power, control. Wonderful. Yeah. We will go into a bit more in that in a future episode, because yeah. obviously Nikephros gets his own episode, but just know that that's happening. Also, at this time, another great victory was achieved by yet another general at the time. This is John Zimises, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, spout T-Z-I-M-I-S-C-E-S. That's not even possible to pronounce. I, I think it's Simises. That's what I'm going to say for now. Yeah, anyway, do. John Simises, a very good general at the time. Um, put a box around him. Oh. <laughs> Emperor John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We get a lot of Johns. We have more Johns than pretty much any other emperor. Constantine? Uh, no, yeah, not as many as Constantine, but I think John's the second most common name. Mm. I know we have not had one yet. No, no uh, it's yeah, not a... we get a lot of Johns in a row. Oh, dear. It's fine, nicknames. We'll do nicknames. That's fine. Um, yeah. Anyway, John manages to just pretty much take the rest of Anatolia that was still in dispute. Um, that's overly simplifying it, and again, we will do more <laughs> when we get to his episode. But yeah. just know that after the rocky start, we've had a couple of very solid victories, and um, the caliphate has been pushed back significantly. Okay. This is the Romans gaining land. Yeah, that's that's three box names in one episode. That's that's impressive or not? Or <laughs> a quick turnaround period. I don't want to give too much away, um, but just know that Romanos II doesn't last too long, and then his son Basil is emperor, but he's very young. So mm. we have a, a a sort of regency. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. Again, with. Uh, Things chopping and changing. Anyway, uh, despite all this good news coming from the border in the east, things were getting harder for Constantine and the capital. Theophilact, the patriarch and youngest son of Romanos, had died. Oh. Yeah, so Constantine decides to replace him with a man named Polyuctus. Utterly butchering that, yeah. Uh, I spelt it very phonetically. P-O-L-Y-E-U-C-T-U-S. Wasn't too far off. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> However, Constantine soon regretted uh, putting this new patriarch in place because the new patriarch started bringing up the whole four marriages thing yet again. Uh, for they no don't reason. Let it go, do they? No, it's just he just started mumbling to himself about how he hates it when people get married four times. It's evil. Yeah, exactly. He also accused the Lord Chamberlain, so Basil, of extortion. Uh, so he's, he... Constantine soon regrets his choice. This wasn't a good choice. So he decides to go and meet an old friend of his. This is uh, the Bishop of Kizikus, which is a place in Anatolia, not too far away from Constantinople. A prominent bishop at the time. Uh, Constantine hoped for some advice on how to get rid of this troublesome patriarch. 
However, whilst he was visiting the bishop, he suddenly felt very ill. Oh dear. Yeah. Some suspected poison. And, uh, who's that? Standing in the shadows as Constantine eats his food. Carrying a bottle with a skull and crossbones on it. Who is it? Take a guess. Romanos. Nikephoros. No, or no. John. No, no, he said it. Romanos too, his son. Re- really? Yeah. Oh, it runs in the family, doesn't it? <laughs> no, because this isn't the family. Yeah, different family. <laughs> oh, damn it. Well, no, because Romanos too obviously is the son of Helena. So yes, no, it does run in the family. That's what I was thinking, yes. That's what you were thinking, yeah. yeah. I couldn't find any details of why Romanos II was suspected, uh, but I'll keep looking for his episode and see yeah. if I can figure it out. But Skylitzy says that it could have been him. He doesn't say it is, he just says it could have been him. Damn modal verb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Constantine doesn't die, however. He just feels a bit ill. Has the trots. <laughs> In fact, he becomes so ill that they decide the only thing for him is to move him by litter to a monastery that was up the tallest mountain in Anatolia. Closer to God. Well, possibly that, yeah. Yeah, yeah it didn't help. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> so instead he was carried back to the capital. <laughs> down again? Yeah, that's fine, you're on a litter, you just slay down. No, yeah, that's true. The, the journey weakened him. It's when it started rolling at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and he fell out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he never really recovered. Um, eventually he did die of this poisoning if it was indeed poisoning and not an illness, uh, at the age of 54 in the capital. There you go, that's Constantine the Purple Born. I like a good poisoning. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, good, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite quite engaging. Underwhelming is... Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Some bright points. Yeah. You know, um, the, 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 the pass of uh, Tarsus, that was... Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's about it. Well, I have actually left a little bit for the rounds, uh, because okay. it didn't really fit into the narrative, right, okay. uh, yeah. which doesn't happen very often, uh, but it no. has with this one. So let's go into it. We shall see. Fightius Maximus. Okay, so we've got those two really solid victories in the East, which means that if they want to, they can now go on the offensive with a firm footing and actually yeah. take the fight to the Caliphate, something that they've never really ever been no. able to do. This mountain pass has not really been there since Heraclius's time. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, not solid. There's been skirmishes, but yeah. So that's good. That is yeah. seriously good. Um, Scythe, Sword of the Empire, has been forced back. Mm. Um, so that's good as well. Uh, however, couldn't get Crete. That's less good. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the early raids in his rule uh, didn't pay off. Yeah. No personal fighting whatsoever. He was very much a lover, not a fighter. But, you know, I, I think when you said that the catch in the pass sort of like levels out everything else, I think that's a, a, a fair comment. Yeah, it's quite a I big think thing. so. Uh, it's nothing amazing. No. Um, I'm going to go for a four. Just, go, just under. I'm going to go for a five. Middle. I think it, it all evens out in the end, this. Okay. Oh, actually, no, you could say, argue, getting that pass is very important, more important than Crete, so maybe... Can get a five, then? It's not him. I think if um, the generals that are doing the success weren't getting their own episodes in the yeah. future, I'd probably be tempted to give more to Constantine. Yeah. But I know that I'm going to be giving points out for these victories in the future. Yeah. So maybe that's holding me back slightly. I'll go go five. Middle of the road. Five. I'll go five as well. I, I shall match you. Okay. That's Ten! It's all right. It's better than most. Maybe not most, Stephen. but better than Stephen. Next. Aprovium crazium. Uh, nothing really. He was said to be a bit of a drunk. He liked m- wine more than work, apparently. And the 
problem is. I, this, I, I don't get it. Apparently, this is a criticism. Of, really? I, I don't understand. Weird. Uh, in fact, I quote here, he was addicted to wine and always preferred to take the easier way. I'll just put my wine glass back by my chair. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't... I'm not giving him points for that. No. Just he enjoyed a relaxing glass of wine after a hard day of drinking wine. You might as well just say, he was sensible. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. He knew how to cope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> Skylet Seas says he was merciless in his punishments. You read a line like that and you go, all right, come on then, bring on the yeah. detail. There's no detail. We did the nose thing. He did do the nose thing. Nose in the box. I didn't put that down. You're absolutely right. He did do the nose thing. And we haven't seen the nose thing for a while. Mm. I mean, that doesn't indicate it didn't happen, but because I, I think there's a very good chance obviously he did, but yeah, it's it just hasn't point. come up. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. He chops a few noses off, so he's getting points there. I'm giving him a two. Three. Okay. Yeah. Because it wasn't just one or two noses, it was a whole group of people. <laughs> well, if, the, if we knew the amount, we could give them a point per nose. <laughs> yeah. Okay, not bad. It's a five for a Probium Crisis. Yeah. Ooh, 15 so far. Success ultimate. Okay, here we go. This is his round. Which might not sound like it when I've just told you the, the narrative. But this is definitely where he's going to score points. Okay. He worked very hard on making sure that the poor in the capital were not squeezed out. If you remember the Great Famine in the in Mamanos' episode, yeah, yeah. Uh, caused many poor to sell up their land in a desperate attempt to Except get food. For rich people. Yeah, the rich of the city start snapping everything up. It's got so bad by this point that the leading families developed a name that, if you translate it literally, is simply... Gits. <laughs> the Powerful. Ooh. Yeah. So you've got The Powerful... The likes of the Focus family. Yeah, yeah. And they are uh, just dominating things. Mm. The very fact that Constantine's episode is mainly talking about the Focus family shows this. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Constantine continues Romanos' laws that attempts to keep the powerful in check. He introduces a law that forced the powerful to sell back the lands that they had taken after the famine. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and also made it illegal to buy any land off a man who used the land to support his role in the military. Hmm. So if someone's gone off to fight, you're not allowed to go and snap his farm up. <laughs> yeah, that, he's, 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 he's fighting for you. Yeah, exactly. These are these are good laws. Yeah. Now, Romanos had made steps in this direction, uh, but Constantine closes up any loopholes and really enforces it. So, yeah, that's good. Generally, the poor were better off at the end of Constantine's rule than they were at the start. Oh, what a communist. <laughs> yes. Then we have the fact that he wrote several books, including books on the intricacies of formalities of court life yeah. at the time. This has been very useful for historians, oh, getting right. a sense of what life was like in Byzantine Roman times. See, that'd be good for um, infamous notorious. Yes, you know, yes, it round. would. Yeah, so I mean, his, his work... Uh, has survived and it's been useful to get to know the time period less so for us because he wasn't writing histories on well he wrote some histories but lost the time yeah and as we focus on the narrative of history his works don't really affect us that much Mm. Uh, but if you're the type of historian that just loves the nitty-gritty details of where people sat during state dinners for example then He's your man. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then, then we get Luprand. Luprand is the source from last week, 
or sorry, Romanos's episode. Okay. Who gives us the story of the lion? Oh, yeah. Oh. And the werewolf. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Reliable then. Um. Well, he's a bit fanciful. However, he goes and meets Constantine. This okay. is a first-hand primary source. That is rare. Yeah. Uh, and when he describes himself meeting Constantine, we get a lot of what we can assume is accurate detail. I have three fairly chunky quotes to end on, just so we can get a sense of what it's like in the time of Constantine. Yeah. So, Lupran's uh, from Italy. He's a, he's a Lombard himself. And right. He's being sent uh, as an envoy to the capital. When he arrives in the capital, he's taken to the reception room that we talked about way back in Theophilo's episode. Right. I'm not surprised you're looking confused, yeah. but you will start recognising this quickly. I will quote. In front of the Emperor's throne, there stood a certain tree of gilt bronze, whose branches similarly gilt bronze were filled with birds of different sizes, which admitted the songs of different birds. Ah, you're recognising yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That corresponded to their species. The throne of the Emperor was built with such skill in such a way that one instant it was low, and then higher, and then quickly appeared most lofty. The gold lions of immense size seemed to guard him, and striking the ground with their tails, they emitted a roar with their mouths open and tongues flickering. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. This is about a hundred years on. They've managed to keep this... That is impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leaning on the shoulders of two eunuchs, I was led into this space. So Lupran's carried in to go and see the emperor. So I was led into this space before the emperor's presence. And when upon my entry the lions emitted their roar and the birds called out, each according to their species, I was not filled with special fear or admiration since I had been told about all these things by one of those who knew them well. Thus, prostrated for a third time in adoration before the Emperor, I lifted my head, and the person whom I had seen sitting elevated to a modest degree above the ground, I suddenly spied wearing different clothes and sitting almost level with the ceiling of the mansion. I could not understand how he did this, unless perchance he was lifted up there by a pulley of the kind by which tree trunks are lifted. What? So, he goes in, he... he he gets down on the floor in a big bowy kind yeah. of way. And then when he lifts his head up, the emperor is now... In the ceiling. In the ceiling, wearing different clothes, which is... I mean, I can imagine them pulling the throne up. Yeah. I mean, Luke Rand himself says they must have used yeah. a pulley system. But how did he change the clothes? I, I'm thinking Valcro stripper oh, yeah. clothes. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. All very impressive. Then, however, he did not speak at all himself since even if he wished to, the great space between us would have rendered it unseemly. So he asked about the life of my master through a minister. When I had answered him reasonably, and when his interpreter gave a sign, I left and was soon received in a hostel assigned to me. Hmm. So there you go, that was what it was like as an envoy visiting Constantinople at the time. Weirdly surreal. Yeah. <laughs> so why is he up there? I can't even speak to Hello? Uh, hello? Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Right, the next quote is uh, presumably from a few days later, but maybe later that evening, when he went to eat with Constantine um, and uh, several other people. It's a, a banquet. There is a residence near the Hippodrome towards the north of wondrous height and beauty. 
ten and nine tables are placed inside the residence, at which the Emperor and equally his guests do not eat sitting up, as on other days, but recline on curved couches. And on those occasions, they are served not with silver, but of only gold dishes. After the food, apples are brought in three gold dishes that, because of their immense weight, are not carried on the arms of men, but are brought on purple veiled carts. Only two of these, however, are placed at the table. Through three holes in the roof, there are three ropes wrapped in gilt leather, and they have been positioned with gold rings. Placed through the handles that project from the vessels, these rings allow such bowls to be lifted onto the table and lowered in the same way by means of a jointed device above the ceiling, hmm. with four or more men helping below. So massive gold bowls full of apples are literally swung into place using ropes from the ceiling. Oh, that's a tooth destroyer, isn't it? If one clips you. Oh, <laughs> smash. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just hear a, sorry, <laughs> whoops, Jeff up in the ceiling. <laughs> sorry, Emperor. So there you go. And there's one more, because after the meal, there was a show. Finally, I omit the shows that I saw there, since it's a very long thing to write about. But one alone, on account of its astonishing quality, it will not be unpleasant to insert here. There enters some fellows staining on his forehead, without the help of his hands, a wooden pole that is twenty-four and more feet long which had a cubit below its tip, a cross piece two cubits long. Then two boys were led in, who climbed up the wooden pole and played around there, and then clambered back down, with their heads turned upside down. They maintained the pole so motionless that it appeared to be rooted to the earth. Finally, after the descent of one, the other, who remained there alone, cavorted up there and left me stunned, with even greater admiration. It left me so agape in my admiration that it did not escape the Emperor himself. Wherefore, having invited an interpreter, he asked which seemed to me more wonderful, the boy who moved so that the pole remained steady, or the fellow who had howled it with his forehead so resourcefully that neither of the boy's weight nor their playing tipped the pole, even a little. And when I replied that I did not know which seemed more marvellous to me, the Emperor swelled out loud with laughter, and said he did not know either. Bants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, primary source, Jamie, it's rare. That, so. is, that is a lot of detail. That's fantastic. It's a lot of detail. I love so this. That's just great. whacked all that in because we don't yeah. we don't get it very often. No. Uh, and you kind of forget because we just talk about people running in and cooing things. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of pomp and ceremony. Yeah, a lot of show. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Points for successes. Yeah, I, I don't think you can give them too many points for those quotes at the end, but no, I don't know no. where else to put it, really. Uh, but I definitely think uh, Helping Out the Poor should get him some, and all his, yeah. his books and stuff is pretty good. They help future generations. I'd say he improved the empire. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So at least a six, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't I'm think gonna... I can go much higher than no, that, though. I'm going to go for a six. Yeah, me too. Image of Okay, Image of What are you expecting? Do you know? I, I think someone's just generic. Maybe slight beard, eyes, I'll nose. I'll just stop you now, because someone made a relief out of ivory. Oh, wow, like a carving. A carving. Like a mini bust. Like a mini bust. Oh, like mini busts. And not only that, it's aged in the coolest way possible. Okay. Because uh, there's a couple of tiny little imperfections, a couple of small cracks. Yeah. And there's a certain shadow. And I tried to find different angles of pictures of this, yeah, yeah. and I couldn't find any. I'm just going to say it. It makes him look like a pirate. 
Yes. I'll show you the picture. Oh, he really does. Oh, he's got an eye patch. Yeah. Now, the pie, oh, that is amazing. <laughs> I, I'm almost certain he didn't have an eye patch. I think that is a crack in the ivory, and one of his eyes happens to be in deep shadow, so it looks like he's got an eye patch on, and he just looks really cool. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> Massive eyes. Or eye. That is brilliant. And he's got a sort of like a Klingon style bandolier on it. Oh, that is. That is fantastic. Yeah, this is one of my favourites. And the braids at the front as well, and the, the round hat. Yeah, yeah, he's got a sort of roundish crown on, and he's got oh. the braids, and he's got a good, big, sizable beard. So we swear out a five for this? Oh, <laughs> score out a ten each. Okay. And then we divide it fantastic. Uh, by four. I'm uh, giving... Episode 126, Jamie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm giving him a ten. Are you going full ten? I was I'm going one. full ten. I, I, yeah, I, I think... You can't be... <laughs> It being in its time, I think if this was the middle of the height of busts, we wouldn't be going 10 necessarily. No. But still high, because it looks like it's got an eye patch. Uh, it also looks like he's got a scar coming out of his mouth. Yes. like a Joker style. Joker style, yeah. So, um, yeah, you know what? Put me down for a 10 as well. <laughs> okay. I'm seriously impressed with this. Uh, and divide by five. I love the fact that he spent most of his life sitting in a room drinking wine and reading books. <gasps> with and an yeah, eye patch. He's got the most badass-looking yeah. <laughs> image yeah. of... Pretty much anyone we've done recently. He is fantastic. <laughs> so a total of five for him. Good. Okay. Last round. Temple completed. Well, now, now we've, we've got a debate on our hands. Okay. We either go from his sole rule when he's in charge. That is 945 to 959. That's 14 years. A respectable 14 years. Right. Probably realising there, it's like, I didn't say much about his 14 years. That's a long time. Mm. That's just not that much about him. Or... We can go from when he was technically sole emperor for the first time, which actually is 913 to 959. Oh, wow. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on. 46 years. 46 years. Well, we're very consistent. We are very consistent. So let's go the long one. I mean, Romanos, we only counted when he was sole emperor yeah. in his own right. So I think it's only fair that with uh, Constantine, yeah. we count his co-emperor yes. yeah exactly <laughs> yes well uh, what we can say is that he was sole emperor for a little time in yeah. 913 uh so yeah I, I i let's give him the big one yes do which gives him an incredibly respectable score it's not even respectable i think this is going to be our second highest possibly 5.75 wow yeah it's a big score i have a total score for him go on 37.75. A high 30s. Not bad for someone who didn't do much. That is pretty good, yeah. Yeah, not yeah. bad at all. Does he deserve it, though? Do they have a certain je ne sais No. No, I'm not feeling that either. No. I mean, he's, not enough. He's got the eye patch, which is cool. Um, <laughs> he ruled for longer than Augustus. That's always impressive. Um... He did some good things, but I'm, mm. I'm certainly not writing home no. about him, am I? No, no, no. No. Uh, so, no. Sorry, Constantine. Didn't quite do enough to get the Genesee Sar. But, I mean, that is a respectable Damn score. Damn good score, yeah. That is a good score. Uh, your, your son's next. Did Romanos kill his father? I thought we were talking about my son. I was like, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was still talking to... Uh, okay. The, the dead person. Yeah. In a slightly weird way. <laughs> I talk to dead people. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, Romanos 2 is next. Yes. Did he kill his own father? Yes. 
What did he feel about getting married to the daughter of the King of Arles? Happy. Okay, I mean, these are answers and many more will be posed and possibly answered yes. next time in Totalis Rankium. Oh. Anyway, anyway, thank you for downloading and don't forget to download some Pobby iTunes and Stitcher and thank you for following us on Facebook and Twitter and thanks for leaving reviews as well. Always makes us happy. It does. Right, and until next time. Yar, I got an eye patch perhaps. Pass ye book. I are well good at reading. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello, Emperor, Your Worship, I have a wonderful idea. Oh, God, not again. What is it now? Well, you know when you meet a guest, they come into the palace first time, they're a little bit nervous, I have an idea. You can amaze them! Well, but what's, what's wrong with the current situation? It's a bit drab. Drab? Yes, drab. I'll let you know, it was quite a cheeky red I got out last time. A cheeky... but your clothes are purple, sir. No, no, the, the wine, the wine. The, I, the wine? There was wine and a, a tasty blue cheese. They came in, I read a passage to them. A little bit drab, sir. Really? A little bit drab. Yes, it's, we need a bit more pizzazz, a bit more shine and sparkle. P- pizzazz? Pizzazz, yes. Well, what were you thinking? Well, do you remember that spare room we have out back? The one that's always locked. Oh, dear. And in that room, when we unlocked it a few months ago, we found an old throne... Yes, no, I expressly... And it has Theophilus carved into the side. Yes, I expressly told you to lock that, that room back up. It's, it's, it's but just sir, too gaudy. But, sir, it roars. It roars and barks. It tweets like an eel. And there's lots of bird noises as well. <laughs> yes, and that's exactly everything that was wrong with the Empire hundred years ago. We, we have standards now. It's, it's incredibly classy, sir. I think oh. perfectly tasteful for this lovely throne room. But we've improved it. What? We've improved it, sir. Well, I, it wouldn't be hard. Uh, oh, go on. What did you do? We've put a lift on it. What? Every time you yank the lion's testicles, you go up into the air, then back down again, and up into the air, and back down again. You've oh. put a lift onto the throne? Yes, 36 miles an hour, sir. I, I'm not fully convinced this is needed. Do, do, do you not think the guests will think this is over the top? Oh, of course not, sir. You'll, you'll reign above them for a, a couple of seconds before you come back down again. To their level. No, this is this is this is awful. This is even worse than the time you suggested I wore this big flowy purple robe. Ah. What? About that. Good news. Yes. Um you know, we, we mentioned the word drab and a bit uh, boring, and we want more pizzazz. Yes. So as you're going up thirty miles an hour on the lift, you're gonna do a costume change. What? A costume change? Your clothes will change halfway up. How? How is this happening? Picture this. Your guest comes in. He's kneeling, he's prostrating before you, staring at the ground. Suddenly, you yank the lion's testicles, and you're thrown up towards the ceiling at 35 miles an hour. Then, when you're up there, you shout down, Take a look! Then the man looks up, and your clothes have changed! Why? Why not? You're emperor, you can do what you want, sir. How would I change my clothes? Ah... Elastic. Oh. Uh, Alexander just giving the child daggers all the way through, probably. Grrr. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, you're going to have to do grrr again. <laughs> it's an important part. It is. Grrr. It's good. Natural. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> grrr.